Go ahead and grab a seat if you don't mind. Uh, one of the, the missionary couples that uh, we have supported for many years uh, is here on furlough uh, this, uh, let's have a seat, uh, this Christmas. Uh, we are delighted uh, to have you here. Um, and you. so, uh, you know, I'm new here, and this is the first time we've actually had a chance to talk. And, and so I figure there's a lot of new people here as well that haven't had a chance to meet you. Uh, this is Phyllis and Antenor. Uh, they work in E2 Brazil, and uh, it's just great to have you uh, be a part of our Christmas season this year. Thank you. Uh, so would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourselves for all of us that haven't met you yet? Okay. Well, like you said, you know, my name is Antenor Gonçalves, and I was born in Sao Paulo, Brazil, a few years ago. And I met this young lady there about 41 years ago, and we got together. I've been running around for 40 years now. And we've served the church in Itu for 23 years, and we were invited to join that small work, and our goal was to go there and, and bless the group of people and, and build a, a faith community that would learn how to love one another and serve our community and use their gifts and, and practice hospitality. And the Lord has really blessed us in the last 23 years. My name is Phyllis Shepherd Gonçalves. I was actually born in Abilene. <laughs> uh, I went to Brazil to Sao Paulo, Brazil in 1976 as a uh, apprentice on the MARC program to stay for two years. And I've been there for 42 years. <laughs> I think it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the work in E2. Tell us what you guys have been doing there. Uh, well, I've been involved in a media ministry for 22 years now. We've done some you know, TV, started out in the local uh, TV station went, you know, for a while, was all over Brazil, had a national program. But right now, we're just doing social media and, and a daily radio program. Okay. That's okay. one of the facets there. Uh, our mission statement for the church in E2 is, Somos uma família cristã, semeando o amor de Deus em Itu, região e o mundo. We are a Christian family, sowing God's love in E2, the region, and the world. And we have a lot of ministries going on there. <laughs> As Antinor mentioned, the uh, Multiplica ministry reach out, reaches out to thousands of people over the social media. Uh, we also, Antinor and I, uh, mentor the leaders of the couples ministry. And they're a really great group. Uh, they not only plan events and a retreat, but they reach out to couples who are hurting and make visits and uh, do counseling and encouragement. Um, another thing that Antonor and I do is we go all over Brazil speaking to people and doing uh, marriage retreats. Okay. And we've become, you know, by watching you all, we've become a missional church. We send a group of our people, any two, to different parts of Brazil every year, like a team. Last year we went to Mozambique and we stayed, some of us stayed like three weeks, but most of the guys stayed like two weeks serving. Uh, a small community there. Wow. So it's been really fun. That's great. Yeah. You know, one of the things that Highland gets really excited about is just kind of seeing God work. Um, do you have any kind of God moment stories that have happened to you in the last year or uh, someone whose life has been touched? Do you have any of those stories to share? Sure. Uh, a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorites is a woman named Mona Lisa. 
we call her Mona. Um, she drove by the Cafelo one morning when we were having the homeless uh, breakfast, and she saw the homeless people walking into this cool garden, and she said, I'm going to stop and see what's going on there. <laughs> so she went in and uh, asked if she could be part of the ministry and ended up coming to church. And uh, today, a year and a half later, she's one of the leaders of our missions ministry. Can think of many stories, but one of them is about this family that was our neighbor there 20 years ago. Mané is a dentist, and uh, Vivian is a, a lawyer, and they had a little boy, Augusto, who was six years old. They moved away to a different neighborhood, and we kind of got disconnected there for a long time. But a couple of years ago, Augusto, he's a 26-year-old guy now, you know, went to law school, just a brilliant young man. Uh, he gave me a call, and we got together for breakfast, and he wanted to talk about his faith. So uh, the seed that we had sown way back there 20 years ago you know, was harvested. After a few months, he w decided to be baptized. His parents were there for his baptism. They started coming to church, and this year, you know, they decided to, they invited, had us over, and were baptized in their swimming pool in their backyard. So wow. that was like Praise really God. cool. Sometimes the seeds are very quickly harvested, and sometimes it takes 20 years. You, can't, right. you don't know what God's going to do. Right. Um, but you guys also have your daughter, Allie, and her husband, Mark, are also involved in ministry in E2. Is and that our, right? And our grandson also now. <laughs> yeah, Tell us our a little biggest bit ministry right now is a year and a half old. <laughs> there he is. There's <laughs> his picture. <laughs> and we're really enjoying grandparenting. <laughs> But uh, Mark and Allie are great spiritual leaders and are magnets to people in the things that they do. Uh, we have uh, the uh, nonprofit Crescimento Limpo that works with the homeless people uh, in the Cafela, which is an organic garden and also has an aquaponics project. And this year they added a farm to it. <laughs> so we're able to employ some of the people that come uh, first as, uh, to the halfway house. And it's, it's just exciting to be there and watch them grow. Wow. wow. As a matter of fact, Allie preached today. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. You know, one of the things that Highland uh, really wants to be involved in is, is the, the spirit and the ministry of prayer. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us some of the things that our people can be praying for you and for your work? I have in, a list uh, here in my pocket. You got a list? All right. Yeah. Let's hear it. <laughs> Uh, here it is. Let me see if I can read. Three priorities we have. Number one, uh, if you all would pray for a mentoring program with the young people that we have, the young leaders there in the church, uh, we need to know when to get out of the, their way and when to just step aside and just let them run with the ball. And it's been really exciting this past year when we've got together you know, with them regularly, and we have a couple of years to go. Another thing that uh, Antonor and I are doing now is uh, planning and implementing a spiritual renewal retreat for uh, people in ministry, both couples and singles. Uh, there's a lot of need for that in Brazil, and we are planning that with another couple in Southeast, in southeast Texas. We pray that God will bless that, those ideas. <laughs> That's great. That's great. And then we, we need prayer, uh, prayer for guidance to select in 2020 people to serve as our pastors there in the yeah. church. Yeah. Hi, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we are so uh, grateful for your servants uh, 
who have followed your call and have been obedient to what you've asked them to do. And Father, I pray that you, you bless uh, Phyllis and Antonor, that you will uh, give them everything that they need, equip them in every way for them to carry out your service and your ministry in E2. We pray for the church there, uh, that you will continue to lead it and guide it. Let your spirit uh, be upon them, that they might be brave, that they might have courage, uh, that they might speak in truth. And we pray for the young leaders of the E2 church, that you give uh, Phyllis and Antonor wisdom of how to mentor them and when to step back, uh, when to provide uh, the right instruction of how they should go. And Father, we pray for your kingdom around the world from Mozambique uh, to Abilene, uh, that you will bless the work of your church uh, and that it will flourish in your sight. Uh, we thank you for these things. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for being with us today. If you have your Bible, let's turn to Matthew chapter 2. Uh, and as you're turning there, I want you to consider a question. What's the best gift you ever gave? Not the best gift you've ever received. That might be easier for you to think about. What's the best gift you ever gave to someone else? And what was the experience that you had when you saw them receive it or open it? when they realized what it was and what it meant. Why is there so much joy in giving gifts? Why do we feel so good when that, when that happens? I think there's kind of categories of gifts. There's, there's the wrong gift. This is like what I, I got for my sister. I was about 10 years old and I was uh, looking for presents for my, my eldest sister. Uh, she was about four years older than I was. And uh, I went to the toy shop, which should have been a warning. I was kind of headed in the wrong direction to begin with. But I found this ball, and this ball just kind of like I had a, a weight inside of it. And so when you threw it, it would kind of fly wonky. And I played with this thing for like 15 minutes, and I thought this was amazing. My sister is going to love this. And so sure enough, I bought one. I wrapped it up. I give it to her on Christmas, and she opens it up, and it's just kind of this uninflated ball in a plastic case. And she just kind of looks at it and looks at me and says, thank you, and then just kind of sets it aside and moves on, which is what a normal 14-year-old girl would do when given a wonky ball. But I was undeterred. She didn't realize how amazing this gift would be. And so I took it from her. I opened it up. I blew it up so it was nice and big, and then I threw it at her. She, of course, didn't know that this ball was going to fly crazy, and it hit her right in the face. And she was kind of annoyed. Uh, and, and so I just kept playing with it so she could see, you know, just how cool this thing really was. And my mom looks at her and she says, you know why he bought that, right? Because, honestly, it was a gift for me. It wasn't a gift for her. So sometimes you get the person the wrong gift. Sometimes you get them a self-serving gift. Like the time early in my marriage, I bought my wife a rice cooker. And I should tell you more about that story, but I'm not going to. Um, there's the gift that they want, right? And we're getting closer to, to good gifts. And for my family, we make that very simple because we send each other lists now. Um, in fact, so much so that it's like the Amazon URL of exactly what we want, exact color, exact size. You cannot mess this up. And that's wonderful because everybody gets what they want. We just tell each other. But my favorite kind of gift is the gift that they didn't know they wanted, 
but they absolutely love. My friend Matt does this to me all the time. Uh, He'll buy me a book that I've never heard of from an author that I've never heard of, and I love it. And then not only do I get that gift of that book, I buy everything that author has ever written, and I, I just love that. That's amazing. Have you ever given someone a gift that they didn't know they wanted, but they absolutely love? There's so much joy in that moment. And if Christmas is about anything, it's about experiencing joy, joy in gift giving, joy in old friends, and there's even joy in the uncomfortableness of waiting. And so this Advent season, we've looked at how Jesus was local, and so we should be too. God, who is willing to put on flesh and live with us in all the messiness of this world, Jesus didn't come everywhere and every when. He chose a particular place to do it, and so should we. And so we love our neighbors this season. And last week, Suzetta talked about how that there's this sense of waiting, that Advent is waiting in the dark. And the, although darkness can have sinister undertones in other parts of Scripture, the darkness of Advent reminds us that we don't have to be afraid, but we live in expectation for what God is going to do. The darkness of Advent cradles the light of Jesus. And so today we're in Matthew uh, chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And I want you to remember that Matthew is writing to a Jewish congregation of Christians that just got kicked out of their synagogue. Probably the most likely circumstance is because they chose to believe in Jesus, they've been ostracized from their church, their family, to some extent, and their friends. And so he's writing them to remind them who Jesus is. He wants them to know that they are the true heirs of God's kingdom. Jesus is the son of Abraham. He's the son of David. That Jesus is the successor to Moses. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Wise men came from the east to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we have observed his star at its rising, and we have come to pay homage to him. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where this Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and the learned men to uh, learn from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. For when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go. And pay him homage. When they heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Please pray with me. 
Father God, as wise men open their treasures, let us open our hearts and minds to your word that is living and dwelling among us. Father, fill this place with your spirit so that we might know you and love you and turn our lives towards you. And in this moment, I pray that you pour through me the gift of preaching, that I may speak your truth and love to these, your people. And it's together that the church says, amen. So first off, let us, let's um, talk a little pop theology as we look at this story. How many men came to visit Jesus and Mary? Well, we think that answer is three. Actually, it's four. It's just that he forgot to bring anything, and so they don't mention him in Scripture. That's not true. We don't know how many were there. In the medieval time, they called them three kings and even gave them the names Caspar, Balthazar, and Melchior. But probably the text says that they were wise men. And we, we think three because it works in well on the major scenes with the three shepherds on one side, the three wise men on the other, but actually they probably didn't come at the same time. Literally in the text, it uses the term magi. And this isn't the only place that that word shows up. It, it shows up also in Acts when Peter defeats Simon the sorcerer. Simon was a magi as well. Most likely they are astrologers, not astronomers. Although in the first century, those two ideas are fused together. What's important to know is that they are respected, they are smart, they are wise people. They were also likely to be advisors in a king's court. For instance, Daniel is a magi to Nebuchadnezzar. And the wise men, the magi, they saw a star. It could have been Halley's Comet. It could have been the convergence of planets or even a supernova in that moment. Or it's possible that every nation had its own kind of star and in terms of the rising and falling of things and the planets converged at a certain way, kind of astrology as we know it now. But Matthew's point is that the star heralds new kings, and that this new king has cosmic significance. And so they visit Herod and ask, can we see this new Jewish king? And Herod consults some Jewish scholars, and the scholars tell him that the Messiah was, Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem based on Micah chapter 5. And Herod is alarmed at this. There was a saying in the first century that said it was safer to be Herod's pig than to be Herod's son. Herod wouldn't eat pork, but he did kill two of his sons out of paranoid fear that they were trying to usurp the throne. If a man is willing to kill his own kids to stay in power, what will he do for Jesus? And so he sends them, go to Bethlehem, find this king that I might worship him too. The Magi go to Bethlehem and they give gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And there's a lot that's been said about the significance of those gifts. Gold is, of course, a gift for a king. Frankincense is what they use to anoint priests. And myrrh, myrrh is what Joseph of Arimathea uses to anoint Jesus' body. So Matthew is doing something very important in this first moment of these gifts telling the story, the unfolding of Jesus' life, even his burial. And maybe that's what that means. Maybe there's loaded symbolism in those gifts, but 
They're just really awesome gifts. Good gifts that you would give a king. I often wonder, what was Mary and, and Joseph's reaction to these things? I mean, did they humble brag? You know what humble bragging is. That's when you kind of lay out some awesome thing that's happening in a negative way. Like, I can't believe how hard it is for us to pack for our 10-day cruise. This is going to be terrible. Humble brag. Or, you know, it's, it's terrible. My brand new Suburban, I have to push the seat so close so that I can reach the, the pedals. I don't know what I'm going to do with this brand new Suburban. Humble brag. I mean, did Mary pull that off? Oh, what a nice shower you had. I love the hat that your grandmother knit for your, your baby. That's beautiful. Oh, Jesus' gifts? Oh, just a little gold. You know, first service didn't think that was funny either. <laughs> that was a lousy joke. <laughs> the wise men were told to go home a different way. But Herod is undeterred. He's going to begin looking for this king. And that's something kind of light, but there's something very serious about this text. The kingdom that is coming around us is a threat to the entrenched powers of this world. And they will resist this inbreaking. Herod is going to try to kill this infant before he becomes a threat. And eventually Pilate and the leaders of Jerusalem will succeed where he fails. Even if the expression of the kingdom is something as innocent and charitable as a baby born to two parents that are so poor they can't even afford the regular sacrifice when they bring him to the temple, Herod will not be deterred. Kings and leaders whose primary appetite is a hunger and thirst for power and prestige will react with insecurity and lash out in destructful and spiteful ways when their power is threatened. When power is the only means by which you can identify your value and your worth, anything that threatens that false narrative must be dealt with in the most ruthless and spiteful ways. And I think there's a little King Herod in all of us sometimes. It's like when somebody else has a good idea in the staff meeting about your department and you wished you had thought of it first. It's when your brother or your sister wins an award or makes the team and, and you didn't get on there and you're worried just for a moment there that that might mean mom and dad might love them a little bit more for their success than they love you. It's the insecurity of a spouse who finds mean or interest in something outside of the normal routine that you're living in and you don't know if there's going to be space for you. There is joy in what God is doing in this little town outside of Jerusalem in the same way that there is joy in what God is, does in our hearts. Joy leads us to worship, and worship leads us to joy. There is a wandering, wondering wisdom that leads us in worship. My favorite Christmas carol uh, because of the words, although I can't sing the tune, is O Holy Night. It's beautiful. But my favorite part of that, uh, that song is in the chorus where it goes, Fall on your knees, oh, hear the angel voices. 
somehow Advent calls us to fall on our knees, to surrender. Surrender to a baby who is king. Surrender to an infant who is the Messiah. Surrender to a man who is God. There's three Advents that we experience. Uh, Jeff mentioned two of them at the beginning of the service. One is the stall in Bethlehem. That's the first Advent. The second is the coming when Christ returns that we look forward to. But there is a third Advent that we experience in our lives. It's when Christ enters our hearts. And there's a connection between the second Advent and the third Advent. It is the call that we fall on our knees. In Philippians chapter 2, uh, the, the Christ hymn tells us that every knee will bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Part of Advent is our surrender to the glory of God. And it means giving up that part of us that desperately needs to feel power or control. It means sacrificing that part of you that feels threatened by the good things that God is doing. I think that there's a little bit of Herod in all of us. And maybe, just maybe, Advent, the coming of a baby, can change all of that. I believe it can change everything. Please stand for our benediction. This week, may you sacrifice that part of you that desperately needs power and control. May you surrender that part of your will that fights with God to, to be the boss, to be the king, to put yourself in Herod's shoes. May we live humbly as we see the coming of the Messiah. May we experience him in our hearts. May we look forward to when he comes again. Go in peace.